0: If you ever come from an immigrant experience yourself, you're also kind of used to being the underdog or being underestimated.
1: You're listening to the Bee Podcast. Make friends, learn new things, and feel understood. Now, here's your host, Sage Lally. Hey, you, and welcome back to the Bee Podcast. I'm your host, Sage, and today I am so excited to be interviewing Minette Yu. Minette is the founder of Storyline, a first-generation immigrant, the daughter of a seamstress, and the first in her community to study at Harvard. Having launched retail tech products her whole career, Manette is passionate about elevating underrepresented founders and making it frictionless for shoppers to make a social impact. Hello, how are you?
0: (laughs) Good, how are you? Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. So before we get started, can you tell me a little bit more about who you are and what you do?
0: Yeah, my name is Manette Yu and I grew up in Shanghai, China and um, immigrated to Los Angeles with my parents. When I was in um, high school, when I was 14 years old, and um, and now I'm here. And you know, after high school, I went went on to Harvard and stayed around Boston, um, primarily doing product management work at tech startups. And most recently, I started my own dream. Uh, I started my own venture, and it's it's been a, a you know very interesting roller coaster ride.
1: I'd love to hear a bit more about storyline. Um, what it is, how people can support it, kind of how it started, all about it.
0: We realized that as consumers, we have a lot of power in deciding what companies that we support, what kind of founders, what kind of brands that we support. And a true kind of turning point was that I I asked a friend of mine, her name was Blair. Um, she's a black female founder of a skincare company called Gilded. I asked her, um, Blair, how come we don't see more founders of color really in the consumer product world? And what she said shocked me. She said that, Manette, there's a lot of us out there, but we don't want to put our faces on our website. We don't put our faces on our Instagram account because we don't want to get labeled as a black business, making products only for black people. So hearing that, I my, my heart really sank. And I felt heartbroken over that statement because there's such a disparity that people who don't look like a traditional founder hesitate to put their faces and the very fact that the audience is still not ready.
1: I love that story. And I love how it led to you making this positive change. What has been your experience as a minority yourself starting a business and being a CEO and a founder?
0: I would say that my story is not just of a woman of color, but also of a new immigrant. If you ever come from an immigrant experience yourself, you're also kind of used to being the underdog or being underestimated. So my story really began in high school when I first immigrated to the U.S. Um, in the ninth grade. And I I didn't speak English back then and uh, it was definitely one of the most challenging periods of my life, trying to assimilate to the high school environment. If you remember high school, people were not as uh, civilized, so to speak, as college, right? Um, we have cliques and uh, we have people um, already used to having their own friend groups. So, It was pretty hard to um, assimilate to that type of environment. But uh, what I did was I actually founded a English Learners Club. I call it English Learners Club, where I noticed this huge gap between what type of education or guidance our schools was providing us as first generation new immigrants and what we needed to succeed, what we needed to get into college. So I organized a group of bilingual student volunteers to teach these, um, including myself, new immigrants, um, the not just the language skills, but also assistance with applying to college. And I also recruited teachers and guidance counselors to give web- not webinars, seminars, seminars at a time in school. And we successfully sent uh, quite a lot of kids to college, including myself. So I became one of the first students ever from that school to um, go on to Harvard. And uh, so that story, ta- that experience taught me a lot about don't let other people underestimate you. And I could very well be um, silent, just being a, um, a nobody, just trying to, trying to make it work. But by organizing a group effort to bridge that gap and in the result, um, getting accepted into a uh, good school, that taught me to never accept the status quo.
1: I'd love to hear kind of a bit more about what your experience was like moving to the United States and then kind of your travel experiences since then
0: when I was growing up, I didn't get a lot of opportunities to travel much, um, let alone abroad. So my first ever chance was um, in college. And I was obsessed with learning Japanese at the time. And um, the first opportunity I could get going abroad is to apply for an internship in Japan. I lived in Tokyo for three months and I spoke rudimentary Japanese, but I was interning at the Diet, their parliament, working for the um, Minister of Fisheries. And uh, that was quite an eye-opening experience on multiple fronts. One is not many people in the parliament spoke English. And of course, I had to speak Japanese. I had to learn all the customs, all the bows, all the honorifics that you attach to any given sentence. So, so in Japan, it's very hierarchical. So you have to use, you speak differently to people above you. So it means, you know, they're older usually or that they're uh, on ho- ho- um, higher ranks uh, versus peers. So I had to learn that. But what also opened my eyes was also the inequality between men and women in Japan. Um, it's a very traditional society with clear lines of responsibilities I know that's, um, it's been changing, and uh, women are getting more and more equality there, but compared to other Asian countries like China and Korea, it's still not there and certainly isn't as good as in the U.S., even though we still have a ton of work to do even in the U.S., but it kind of opened my eyes to what it is like to be a woman in other countries. So in Japan, uh, most of the women I encounter there are secretaries who serve tea when I was in a meeting. So. I knew that I, I won't work in Japan, uh, given what I have seen. Um, but it did open my eyes to experiencing new things and new culture and, to be frank, a new way of thinking. And uh, I think a lot of people who are from the U.S. have the idea of American exceptionalism, right? It's a, And a, quite frankly, I, I do believe in some of that. And I always appreciate the progress that we make here, no matter how slow or sometimes backward in my seem, that compared to a lot of other countries, we're doing quite well.
1: Did you see a similarity between you traveling to Japan and being immersed in Japanese to when you first moved to the United States and being immersed in English? Did you use any of the same kind of strategies for... Getting involved or understanding the language, or notice any sort of similarity there.
0: That's a really good question. Nobody has ever asked me that question ever. I never really thought of that, to be honest. Um, there certainly is, and uh, I think I'm I'm quite adaptable. I, I think the whole experience of immigration has taught me to be adaptable, despite the obstacles right? Like in high school, I had to English, learn English really quickly to do well in my studies. Um, I had to learn how to socialize with other people to be accepted into the society. Um, so same thing in Japan, when in the parliament, you know, nobody else was really speaking English, except for one intern, he was helping me a lot because he studied, he was a graduate student from um, University of Washington. So So that definitely helped me a lot. But I, do, I did have to um, assimilate quite a lot to the a different, very different construct. And um, my, I guess my survival skills from the immigration experience certainly helped in just quickly adapt to what it is that they're doing um, so that I can do well in my
1: internship. Where can our listeners find you on the internet?
0: That would be great. It's Storyline, so it's spelled S-T-O-R-E-Y dash dot com, uh, or our Instagram handle is S-T-O-R-E-Y dot L-I-N-E, so story dot line. I, I, I just say Storyline with an E. Check us out.
1: Thank you for listening to The B Podcast with your host, Sage Lally. If you liked today's episode, be sure to leave us a review. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Your story has the power to help others. If you step out in boldness and have the bravery to tell it, there are people here who will listen. You just have to speak. That's all for now. See you next time. Bye.